Scotty, I don't know whether it's uh, past your bedtime or or wait past my bedtime or you're up way too early. I don't know what it is, but we're I want everybody to know what links we go to in order to bring um, this podcast. <laughs> in the morning I have ever recorded a podcast. Um, when I started podcasting in 2007, I did a show called Late Night Coco. And I called that Late Night Coco because most of my guests were in the US and so I'd have to wait for them to get up. So I'd often be recording it, you know, at 11 p.m., midnight, sometimes 1 a.m. But um, yeah, and I can cope with late nights, but uh, I'm not really a morning person. But because, you know, we've both now got full-time gigs and trying to do the time difference. It's 5.45 a.m. here, and um, I'm not good in the morning, so we'll just have to see how this goes. What time is it for you? Uh, quarter of 10. It is, it is well past all respectful people's bedtimes. Yeah, see, so, I mean, I hope people appreciate the, uh, uh, the, the lengths we go to to, uh, to bring them the nonsense that we do. <laughs> or just how old I am. Yes, yes. <laughs> that, that, it's, that quarter 10 is, uh, is uh, way past your bedtime. By several hours. <laughs> so we had some very nice feedback on uh, coming back last week. It seems that uh, generally um, a number of people were quite pleased we were back, which is very, very pleasant. It is pleasant. I was expecting people to throw rotten tomatoes. Yeah, or, or at least to say, oh, no, they're back. But uh, yeah, so thank you for everyone who tweeted or uh, uh, on Slack or, or wherever just said uh, it's good to be back. It was uh, very encouraging. We do appreciate it quite a lot. No, not more than quite a lot. I very <laughs> quite a lot. See, I told you it was too early in the morning. I appreciate it more than quite a lot. I appreciate it loads. <laughs> oh dear, this is going to be a, it's going to be an interesting morning. My my brain really isn't functioning yet, but uh, there we are. Well, let me try and 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 uh, bring some structure here. So, as everybody knows, uh, James Dempsey and the Breakpoints, of which I am a member, uh, will be playing next week. Not to plug the show again, but let me plug the show again. And, and people who are familiar with his uh, repertoire will know that he has a song called Model View Controller. We're almost going to be talking about that, aren't we, this morning? But we're going to be talking about something else. But the the you know considerably less catchy MVVM dash C. Unless you were to try and make like a you know a Broadway hip hop version of it, yeah, it's um, these sort of acronyms, and then even worse, the, the sort of model view view model, and the C is for I added made, added the C myself. It's coordinators, is you know the the terminology is so the uh, similar that it just all gets mixed up. Before I gave a talk at um, UIConf in Berlin a couple of weeks ago uh, on MVVMC. Um, uh, the video is now up online, so if you want to go watch that, uh, just um, uh, go to that. And if you've never heard of UIConf, check it out. It's a, a great conference, a community-led conference in in Berlin. Um, sells out each year, so you'd have to be on your toes and uh, to get a ticket. But can highly recommend it. Uh, my first time there, it was great. But anyway, I gave this talk on MVM BVMC. But basically, I wanted to talk about app architectures, but you're trying to give a talk from the stage when you're trying to say model and view model and view and model and all this stuff. And you're constantly sort of getting the wrong one and having to correct yourself. It's really a bit of a nasty nightmare topic to talk about. 
do you think by the, the by the sheer fact that it's so complicated to keep all those words in in mind that it may be just too complicated to begin with? No, because actually this is the thing with um, architecture patterns. They're really, I think, it's we make them too complicated and we become too anal or too pure about it all, and, and we have lots of you know, sort of late night arguments on forums about this and about that and. And actually, if you just break down the um, the, the purpose of the pattern or the architecture, uh, and just keep that as the thing that's in your mind, then it's um, you know they become very simple. So let's let's take MVVM, uh, model view view model, and MVC. Um, you know, I say this in my talk. Actually, both of them are about uh, separating your code into three areas. So basically, separating areas of concern. Don't mix things up. Don't have something that should be in one area and another area. Um, so the, the concept of the view, uh, which is your display, uh, things that are on the screen, and then you have concept of the controller in MVC, uh, which uh, or the view model in MVVM, which is about basically something that provides information to that view, and then you have uh, the model, which is about the data, the shape of the data. And the whole point of both architectures is to say, you know, things that are about display keeping your views, things that are about data keeping your models, things that are about coordinating keep in your um, view model, which is a sort of basically a data provider or a controller, which we probably may be a little bit more familiar with. Um, because if you do that, and if you set your own rules and you set your own principles, it doesn't really matter whether the other person's doing the same or not doing the same. Um, it will create better code for you, and it's it's very simple. Uh, my problem, the argument I was sort of uh, having in, in the talk I was giving, was that Apple don't make this easy for us because the whole concept we get in, in Cocoa Touch of uh, UI View and UI View Controller and then whatever we're using for our data classes or on Mac OS X where we have an NS View and NS View Controller and NS Window Controller is the... Um, we try and use UI view controller quite understandably as the controller part of MVC or MVVM, the view model part. Uh, and it's just too linked to the view because it's, it's so dependent on the view that, uh, you, you know, it's almost impossible for a view controller to, to exist without the view that, um, uh, it's too, you know, that it doesn't make that pure separation of concern. So trying to do MVVM or MVC, just using um, using UI view controller is is that middle piece of the equation creates a whole bunch of uh, issues that you know really we then get into such a mess with and make things not very testable and all the rest of it. So I guess the core argument or the first argument I was making in the talk is that um, actually we should see UI view controller or NS view controller on, on OS X to be part of the view part of this equation. So you take NSView or a UIView and UIView controller or NSView controller together and you see them in this architecture as the view and then we create other classes that are not based on UIView controller or NSView controller to be the real controllers because they can now be separated from the view, uh, from the view um, hierarchy within Cocoa and Cocoa Touch and they become testable, they get rid of all these dependencies um, and it's all really, really very simple. So that, that was my main precept behind the talk trying to uh, or the first part of the talk uh trying to make that argument that you know 
what Apple gives us for MVC or MVVM uh, doesn't work very well. And also that the whole concept of MVVM and MVC is actually just three separations of concerns. And so I think I did say in the talk that MVVM and MVC are exactly the same thing, in my opinion, just with different letters. So you should be able to then ask your, answer the question, if your controller directly inherits from view controller, it ain't a controller in the MVC sense. That's my opinion, because you've now created yourself a whole bunch of dependencies on the view. And the whole point of this architecture is a separation of concerns. Um, Equally, if, if you have code in your um, view trying to decide what data is displayed, you've just made it out. I, I mean, I was also looking at architectures. I was also trying to make the point of trying to make cross-platform apps. By cross-platform, I mean, you know, code that runs on OS X and on iOS and keep keeping as much of a code base possible. So this was a, a talk based on an experience of a particular app. It wasn't necessarily totally 100% generic. And, um, you know, the, and so basically you cannot share code between UI view and NS view, UI view controller and NS view controller. So any code you put in there is code that is dead to the other app. Um, so, you know, my argument is UI view controllers, NS view controllers should actually contain very, very little code, literally code that moves data from the controller or the view model into the text field, the label, the NS table view, whatever it might be, uh, the UI table view. Um, it shouldn't even decide what that data is. It shouldn't decide what the format of that data is. It should just really take it and put it in there. Views, I mean, we've had the concept um, for many years that views should be dumb. Um, we put far too much intelligence in our in our views about the data that should be displayed. They could be complicated as far as animation is concerned and all that other stuff, that you know, core animation stuff, which is the view is the right place for that. Um, but yeah, so it was really about simple separation of concerns. I then added the C, which is um, the terminology I've chosen to use is coordinators. So several people use that terminology. You could call them something else because one of the other problems I have with the architecture of MVC and MVVM is navigation. Uh, they don't really handle this whole concept of moving between um, views and view controllers very well. And the moment you put... Uh, code into your UI view controller about you know, loading the next view controller onto the UI navigation controller or loading a new root controller or whatever, or something that moves you from one view controller to another. As soon as you put that in your controller, you create, again, a dependency. Um, that view becomes, the view controller becomes very hard to test because it has a dependency on another one. Um, it becomes inflexible because you can't, um, uh, uh, use it somewhere else in the application now because it's got this fixed hard-coded path to somewhere else and so I also sort of make the argument in this talk that there should be within your model or your view model or your um, view or your controller whichever terminology you're using there should be no navigation code um, and so I use a set of classes or a set of principles called, called coordinators and they sort of like um, their job is really to load views and view controllers and models as stacks and decide what comes next. So when uh, the, the concept might be is where you might normally in your um, view controller say, you know, this view controller has finished doing its job, in other words, it's logged into the app or something, or someone selected the cell and the table view, whatever it might be where you would normally say, you know, create this new view controller and load it into the UI navigation controller. Um, Actually, at that stage, view controllers just say through some sort of mechanism, whether that's a delegate or a KVO, whatever you choose to use, you know, I'm done. 
I'm done and here's my state. It shouldn't choose what to do next. And then that is picked up by your coordinator and your coordinator decides what happens next. That just then means that you can use the same controllers, view models uh, in different parts of the application because they're not navigation dependent. And it even works that I can share them between the OS X apps and the, the iOS app because there's no structured hierarchy of navigation in, in, invoked in them. So actually in the app that I was talking about here, um, all of my view models and uh, all of my models or controllers and models, if you want to use that terminology, um, were shared between the app. And then the views were unique to each app and the controllers, because of the navigation flow, were unique to each app. But there was a really good amount of shared code. That sounds excellent. Now, are we able to know which app you're talking about here, or is that? Uh, this is actually an app I am working on for myself. Um, mm. That's why there. I asked. It is. It's uh, mm -hmm. do you, uh, it's um, yeah. Let's talk about it. I haven't really decided to thought about this yet. Yeah, I, I'm working on a, a, an app that allows you to look at your um, and analyze and do certain things with your app store reviews for your mm. for your podcast. Your um, uh, for your app, your OS ten app, Mac Store apps, uh, your ebook, uh, iBook, whatever's in there. Now, of course, next week at WWDC, there could be these massive changes to iTunes Connect and all this sort of stuff, and the whole thing could be completely useless before it's ever released. <laughs> I but in order to fix it, you only have to fix it in one place for both platforms. Yep. So it's um, it's uh, so whether it ever sees the light of day will be will be interesting, but um. So yeah, so the the app is uh, uh, let's say it's it's in that stage now where the app works, um, you know. So you would say eighty percent of the functionality is there, which means you've I've done twenty percent of the work. <laughs> um, and now the next eighty percent of the work is making it something that you'd be happy for people to see. Has all those nice little bits to it, and you know all the keyboard shortcuts work, all that sort of thing. You, you know, it does do proper sort of. Um, connectivity checking and, and all this sort of stuff. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the stuff that you spend all the hours doing and that's, you know, and equally it's the stuff I think when shipping an app, it's difficult to judge when you're done. Um, there's always one more thing you can do. And they always say, you know, if you're pleased with your release 1.0, you released it far too late. So I'm waiting to see what happens at DubDub because, um, I mean, iTunes Connect and all this stuff has been having some love recently. Um, and it could be that after eight years, we suddenly get some of the stuff that, uh, that uh, I wanted in this. Um, and the whole thing becomes, you know, a pointless project as far as releasing it to the world is concerned. Um, well, shouldn't you, shouldn't you tell us what the name of the app is so that we can, you know, describe the phenomenon soon to be formally known as Sherlock as... Uh, ReviewCast. It's okay. Now, now remember, <laughs> right. remember a couple of years ago when we were talking, I did a website... I remember I was talking about um, yeah. I wanted to do something that I could do in 80 hours. And I initially, mm -hmm. I initially did a website uh, that would do something very similar. It was very rough, and, and but yeah, a number of people used it. And I actually found it quite useful for keeping track of the reviews of this podcast and uh, um, apps and uh, other things. So I thought, um, yeah, let's just do this. I need to get uh, uh, out there. I mean, it will be a paid app. Um, I'm going to sort of use... I think it, I I wanted to write a smallish utility app that's going to take a lot more than eighty hours, but it's uh, you know it's it's a couple of months worth of work at least will go into it in total. Um, but I wanted to have an app that I could use for um, sort of practicing marketing, 
working out best ways of doing things um, was small enough that I could uh, release um, reasonably quickly, but uh, equally, obviously, doing it alongside a full-time gig, it's going to you know, a couple of months of work in your spare time is quite a long project. Um, but it's it's really an app to sort of play with the business side of app development as well, um, to sort of learn lessons from, which hopefully will go on to release other apps using those lessons and and uh, make a move, as I've been saying for years, from consult consulting to um, to sort of product based business. But uh, we'll we'll see, we'll see. I'm I've, I, it's it's been fun. Um, I've been mainly working on the Mac app because it's where a lot of the work goes initially, but we'll see. I say, and it may be an app with no future before it even gets released. I knew that sort of going into it, um, so uh, we'll we'll see. Watch this space, as they say. Exactly. My my goal is my goal is okay. Let let let's get myself really um, uh, put yourself in, on in, tr- in yeah. trouble here, shall we? Uh, my goal has always been to release this around the same time that the next version of OS ten is released. Um, and assuming that remains the same, that that sort of you know October November time in the year, and I wanted to sort of you know release it and maybe add a feature or two from whatever they announced at dub dub for OS 10, which could be totally irrelevant and nothing. So there's nothing there, but to sort of make it in, in my head is sort of do a release cycle that comes along with uh, OS 10 point, whatever it would be, or Mac OS, whatever we're calling it, Mac OS 12 or whatever it turns out to be from dub dub um, and see and, and see what happens. So that that's my goal, um, basically because I think it's good to set a date because um it keeps you accountable. Um, I've now said it publicly, so it's um, you know there we go. And of course, anyone who's got more time on their hands could release a, a you know um, a shit cool competitor in less time and put me out of business before I even start. There we are. Well, I I have Simon Wolf in the studio here, and he has a few words for you. <laughs> Poor old Simon. Poor old Simon. Yes, those were the days. The Avtag Diaries. Well. Uh, Back every month to say, well, I've not really done anything this month, and I've had, I've had a, uh, yeah, I've had a number of months that way myself. Now, this is my, um, this is an interesting, uh, well, it's interesting to me. It might be totally boring to everyone else. This is my commute project because I sit on a train for an hour a day, um, thirty minutes, thirty-five minutes each way. Uh, that is this project's time, uh, main time. So I guarantee myself uh, at least one hour every day on it um which i think is something simon was sort of saying he wanted to try and get into the routine of and was advocating and he was struggling to get done um and i think i I was trying to do at least an hour a day before i took this full-time gig a few weeks ago and you know sometimes the days would roll on and you just wouldn't get to it because you were doing other stuff you know when you're in your own office and you might have finished the client work but there's always a bit of paper that needs sorting out or something this whereas um you know so the whole traveling means i do get a minimum of an hour a day on it uh, and then I do try to do an hour a day at least over the weekend, and then some evenings, maybe one or two evenings a week, you get another hour or maybe another hour and a half to two hours in there. So, I mean, that's still only adding up to probably you know, less than ten hours a week, which is you know just over a working day a week. That's that's not a huge amount of development time, and so it is it is teaching me to be pragmatic. You know, try and be pragmatic. Um, I was speaking with, um, 
made the same mistake in the talk in 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 Berlin. I couldn't I mentioned this, and then I couldn't remember who it was. But Laura Savino, speaking to Laura Savino in uh, in Berlin, she did a great talk at UiConf as well. By the way, watch the video for that. Um, yeah, and, and uh, she sort of said we're talking about our app architectures and trying to be pragmatic about it. You know, and and we sort of end up saying you can be purist or you can ship software, huh. um, and you can't really. Uh, be both and finding the balance between the two is um, uh, is quite difficult now of course when, when you're when, often as a consultant or when you're working for someone else and you're picking up the client's code most architecture decisions of unless you're there at the very beginning for a far new project often most architecture decisions have already been made before you begin um, in, in, in sort of yes the nature of the game so you don't often get to choose that but with your own code you want to do everything right you want to do everything good um, and you know that balance, this sort of time pressure of setting myself a date, and um, only having this limited time is is put me in this position that sort of you know, almost on a, a daily basis. I'm saying, well, the pure way to do this is this way, but that's just going to take you know that will take about twenty hours, and you know that's two weeks work. Um, whereas a pragmatic and acceptable way is doing this, which is three hours work. Um, and then try to, you know, try and in my head trade off those balances and everything. And that's, that's, um, it's quite a, prag- it, it, it means making certain decisions. I certainly, you know, I like, I like to separate certain things. I'm writing a class and I'm thinking, well, this would be really useful in other, other, um, projects that I have an idea for. And so my instant instinct is I want to, you know, create a framework, put that class in it and, um, you know, do all that. And then just make my, my application use the framework and have tests for all that. And you're just thinking, yeah, but that's, you know, that's extra work I don't actually need right now. And none of the reviews are going to say, the app doesn't do a whole lot or it's buggier as hell, but I'm digging that MVM, MVVM. Yeah. I, can tell, I can tell this is well tested. But there are other things you can do. So like the folder structure within my project is set up in such a way that um, all the classes that I think could be in that framework are... And all the tests for those classes in those frame- frameworks are in a part of the folder hierarchy that in the future I can just take that bit of the hierarchy, put all those classes into the framework, and you know, you then got to change the import statements or whatever you're using um, in there and, uh, and make it work. So I've, I've, so I've tried to be pragmatic. I've said, like, I'm not going to put this into a framework right now. Um, I am going to write tests because testing is proven to save time in the long run, even though it's incredibly frustrating. When you're trying to get make progress on the app to keep writing tests all the time, you know, experience has shown me enough that writing unit tests, you know, even for release one of a project, will eventually save you time. You've just got to trust the system and stick with it. Um, so there are tests in there. So I'm trying to be saying, okay, let's just leave it in the project, be pragmatic, but make sure I'm aware of this and make my life easier for later. Um, and making those decisions. So I can sit there and it sort of annoys me that they're not in a framework by themselves but equally i can reassure myself but that's probably a couple of train journeys work once the app's released to do that um so yeah so it's 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 frustrating working with such minimum time especially ui which obviously is very very time consuming um to get right um but it's it's good but I'm, i've made the decision support only the latest os and that will include whatever gets released at dub dub um, which is uh, so you get to play with all the cool bits. Not sure I'll do a Siri integration though yet. We'll see. Well, fantastic. 
So yeah, so it's uh, there. So do you sort of? I'm, I'm guessing. Obviously, we have to be very careful about what we talk about for uh, our paid gigs because there's commercial confidentialities and everything. So we might have to talk in very uh, generic terms. So um, are Netflix a sort of a process and architecture based company, or is it a little bit free, or sort of you know how do you approach things um, in, in projects where you are? Um, yeah, I have to, to tread a fine line here. I would say that, that uh, we always uh, hew towards pragmatism um, because we ship very often and, 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 be, and part of it because we ship very often, we also have to have a, a fair amount of process, um, both in terms of, of how we do releases, but, but increasingly how we do testing because we have to really rely on testing, including unit testing. Um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I have to be kind of careful about this. I, I can say that we, we do like MVVM though. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. We, you know, we do, uh, yeah, there are, there are, do not go around really talking about commercial or technical concerns of your client stroke employers. It's not very professional unless they've given you permission to, of course, um, which we don't. So there we are. Um, so cool. I think, uh, uh, Next week is WWDC. Um, I've come over this Friday, which uh, probably is about the same time this podcast will release. So maybe people will be listening to this for the first time as I'm zooming to 40,000 feet to, to come over. Um, of course, it clashes next week with the beginning of um, uh, Euro 2016, the European football tournament, or soccer for the uh, benefit of our US friends. Um, and so I've got the challenge next week of trying to watch the England games uh which from an eight hour time zone difference nine hour time zone difference because the tournament's in france uh which i think i think the first england games on saturday lunchtime uh uh san francisco time selection but i think the wales game during the week is is 6 a.m on thursday morning now that's after the breakpoint gig which is um got a very nice bar and quite a late night so that's going to be interesting to see whether um uh, I t- I, it shall test your devotion. It's well. I'm try- I'm in this. I'm in this uh, sort of zone, John, of trying to decide. You know, do I just keep the nights at the breakpoint gig very, very restrained? Nice. You know, don't. You know, as soon as it's over, go to bed. Just uh, um, you know, get up nice and early. I think you know because I'm gonna have to go find a bar somewhere in San Francisco that's open at six a.m. in the morning to watch it. I think there are a few, uh, particularly the Irish bars. Surprise, surprise. Um, and um, uh, or do I just make this like days of my youth and six a.m. I'm just finishing my evening and it, I round the evening off with <laughs> with the football, which which at my age is feeling like a little bit of a too daunting task to make it through that far. So that's going to be interesting to see. But if there's anyone else over there from Europe, um, uh, particularly England or Wales, who would like to watch that game, then maybe we could uh, we could do a a 6 a.m. get together to uh to make that happen we'll make sure that that uh that get together is far away from us <laughs> those of us who need to sleep yes i was going to say while while you're trying to decide what you're going to do i just like in the back of my mind saying i'll take shit uh scotty promises but it's never going to follow through uh for 500 please alex <laughs> yeah i i i think the, the 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 greatest likelihood is i probably won't watch the game but uh we'll uh We'll see. It depends. It's it's a big game. Uh, in, in, Wales haven't qualified for a, a major tournament since about 1950, and uh, so it's the first time England and Wales have played each other in a in a uh, thoroughly competitive game that means something. And so it's a but but uh, hold on a second. Is Wales even a country? 
Oh dear, you've just offended at least seven people and lots of sheep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there we are. Here we are. It's uh, um, you're not allowed to say that because uh, uh, FIFA, the International um, Football Federation, are uh, you know, they make they try and make that argument themselves. They think because uh, mm. obviously we have England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland is uh, international football teams all competing to get into tournaments, and uh, I think FIFA would like it if we played as Great Britain. Um, mm. But uh, I think no one in the nations would like that at all, at all. Particularly the uh, just... the Welsh and the Scots and the Northern Irish, who uh, I think I think I'm fair in saying when it comes to what we we call these the home nations. Um, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that uh, if Wales or Scotland or Northern Ireland are in a football tournament, not playing England, most English genuinely cheer for the Scots, the Irish, or the Welsh. Whereas if England are playing in a tournament and not, they're not playing Wales, Scotland or Ireland, I think those nations genuinely would cheer for anybody else other than England. <laughs> to, mm. to, so the, the imperialist uh, uh, um, thing in the, uh, the fact that you know, we've uh, dominated these nations politically or, or uh, military for you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years is you know, taking people a while to get over. <laughs> I guess so. There's, there's there's great pent up hatred for you Brits around the world. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I don't know. Our history is very funny. But um, yeah, we have times of friendship and times of war. Uh, yeah, I just think I'm, I'm sure there are nations in the world that um, we'd all join together to go and uh, have a go at. But uh, it's <laughs> the French. Oh, sorry. I, I wasn't going to say it. There we are. But the, <laughs> it's uh, there we go. It's uh, anyway, John. It's um, it's getting uh, time for me to actually go to work so um he's going to take a shower so that my fellow colleagues will uh uh not, not... forget about forget about code smells yeah, <laughs> yeah. About programmer yeah. smells yeah so um looking forward to seeing you next week and uh, we'll try and record a show from uh shay fox mm-hmm. and uh we'll get this one out uh, hopefully towards the end of this week so um john if people want to uh keep up with you and your antics where where should they do that you can find me on the Twitters as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter as uh, MacDevNet. There'll be links to our blogs and um, other things in the show notes, as long as links to anything else we've, we've spoken about. Please do give us feedback um, across Twitter or uh, scotty at iDeveloper.co. Um, and that's it. That's, thanks for joining us again. It's uh, Sean, we, we've, we've, I think we can now say... Oh, I'm going to say we've recorded a second episode. We haven't released the second episode yet. Yeah, see that 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 does take up some of my train time. You know, do I do I release your baritone voice back into the uh, podcast sphere, or do I get on with my application? You you present me with such difficult choices, John. Anyway, which is going to bring about world peace sooner? I would say my baritone voice. That's so, true. Okay, so if you are interested in world peace, listen. Until next time, thanks for listening to this one and uh, you take care.